0: What a great day, what a great song as we come to celebrate our Lord Jesus Christ this morning. We are so glad that all of you could come and be with us this morning to worship with us and to celebrate the uh, glorious life that we have in Christ. And we are especially happy to see Jody here with us this morning. Amen. We've been praying for Jody for quite a while, since her stroke several weeks back, and we are glad to see... God bring recovery to your life and to your mind and all those things. And so we are continuing to pray with you and your family. With that said, there are a couple weeks, a couple weeks ago, we sent out an email message with some sign ups for people to can help to contribute to meals for the family. So if you, I'll send that out again this afternoon. If you have not signed up, would like to help participate in some meal prep for the family while Jody's continuing to recover because otherwise she's stuck with Drew cooking. Just saying. Single guy, cooking, not, some single guys can cook. I know Drew can barbecue. He can fry up some goose. Uh, he can do some other stuff, but I don't know if uh, that would, oh, Drew's here. Uh, i got to stop talking about him. <laughs> Drew's a great cook, I hear. Um, I'll send that out again this afternoon uh, to our email list. And so if you can, help sign up on that that link. That'll be there to help participate as we love on this family. And again, Jody, we are so glad that you are with us this morning. We've been praying for you. Today also is our day we've asked everybody to be praying for what you're going to do for missions this year. And if you have not... Go pick out one of these with you. Uh, there's some on the back table. Before you leave today, pick this up. We hope you've been praying about what you want to do to contribute uh, with our missions program. If you would just pick this up on your way out and give it to one of our ushers, give it to Boyd or uh, myself, and we'll make sure that we want. Again, there's no names on here. You're going to turn in this one part over here. It says this is Pastor. This is what we think God wants us to give this next year toward our missions program here in Mountain States. Uh, whether we're giving to overseas missions or to local missions, we would like to know what we can budget in to have in, in our, our disposal, what God is going to bring in through our church. And he always does so much more than what comes in on the list, but it just kind of gives us a guide. And as a reminder for you as well, uh, as you send that, give that to us between you and God, it's just a commitment between you and God. Uh, I don't see the names. I don't really care. It's not up to me what you give, what you don't give. That's between you and God. And, but we would like to have a kind of accounting there so we know how many missionaries, additional missionaries we can support or how much we can raise our existing missionaries or other projects that may come up from this time. We don't know. Uh, this year, the next 12 months are exciting. We don't know what God's got in store uh, around the world. So we want to be prepared and ready when the call comes in. i not forget as well, this weekend is a men's prayer breakfast If you have not signed up on the back, please do so on the back table so I know how much bacon to make for you, um, how much sausage to make for you, all that good stuff. Uh, Also, this coming uh, Saturday at 11 is our membership class. If you are interested in aligning yourself with our church as a member, uh, which means you basically have voting rights with our church, and you can have a a bigger say-so, and you can be involved in teaching and other stuff that goes on here, we'd like you to be involved. Uh, This is the first step. Uh, come and be a part of that class. So if you would just on the inside form of our thing, just fill this out and put on the back side I want a more interest information about the membership class and I will send it out to you. Before we start this morning, can we go to the Lord in prayer? Just bow our heads before him and our knees before him and humble ourselves before him as we seek his face this morning. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are Lord of all. And in you, your peace that we just sang about is such an integral part of who we are as your children, as your believers. I ask, Father God, that this peace that you have promised to us would fill us this morning. As we come before you humbly, acknowledging our sins, our failings, Lord, we ask for your forgiveness and that our hearts might be and minds might be centered on you. Let all of our outside cares be set aside as we focus on you this morning and on what you would have us to do and coming closer and drawing closer to you as children of God. I thank you, Father, that you have called us and set us apart as your children. You have forgiven us of our sins, cast them as far as the east is from the west. We understand that we find our identity in you. You, Father, are our our Savior. You are our Redeemer and all that that the world, all that Satan tries to label us as, Lord, you say, no, you are my child. Lord, I'm not a deadbeat. I'm not a failure. I am your child. And Lord, I claim this morning that you want to do great and mighty things through us, individually and as a church, that you desire our hearts and our minds. I thank you, Lord God, that you are in our midst this morning. We invite your Holy Spirit to minister to us, to speak to our hearts and convict us, to draw us into your presence as we consider the word of God this morning and all that we are to do as part of your kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We are finishing up our series this morning on how to neighbor. Finishing up our series and looking at this passage on scripture, which is kind of the jumping-off point. We were kind of we looked at the story of the Good Samaritan as the jumping-off point of our series as we looked at what it means to be a neighbor, to be God's hands and feet in our community where he has placed us, in the neighborhood where he has placed us, where you live, and in the neighborhood around here where our church is planted, and in this community, the the city of Denver and the state of Colorado where we are all living. If we are going to be his hands and feet, we're not to live isolated lives we're to be engaged in our communities, engaged in what where God has placed us. So then, how do we then neighbor? How do we be God's hands and feet with those around us? It's difficult. We, a lot of us like to stay in our little four-room, four-wall box we call a house. It's convenient. It's comfortable there. Do our binges, do our Netflix binges, do these other things, and it's it's fun to. It's easy to stay in there and to push out the world to not pay attention to what's going on around us to the needs around us that is not where God has called us he's not where is not where God has called his people the church has always been engaged in our communities the church has always been engaged in society the church has always been a part of what's going on around I appreciate Mike this morning in, in our Bible study hour sharing about this man that God let him came up to him and said I need help and Mike said, I'm, I can't help right now. And then that's, God's been working on his heart all weekend about that. I appreciate that. I appreciate how God is working in each of our lives as we look out among our society, among our community, to see, God, how might you use me? Even if I fail you in this part over here, like on Friday, where now Mike is going, uh, I wish I had done something. I don't know what I would have done, but I wish I had done something. That we recognize those areas in our lives that need to change where God is working in us to be his hands and feet in our community. The first week we talked about how we are to be willing to cross the streets that person who needs help in spite of what they look like, in spite of what they smell like, in spite of who they are, who they vote for what their skin looks like, or what their lifestyle is like. We all should be willing to step apart. Yes, I know you want. Really, even who they vote for? Yes, even who they vote for. If you're willing to cross the street to help anybody, period. We We have to have the least, we have to have the most loving hearts around. Would you agree with that? And as this good Samaritan showed us that as the Levite and priest went by, he said, I can't help that person. The good Samaritan crossed the street to go help that person, in spite of his socioeconomic status, in spite of where that they were in culture and society, to cross the street say, I will help you out of my own pocket, out of my own need, out of my own time and effort and energy, I will help. Then the week after that, we looked at the issue of orphans and orphan care and how there's so many opportunities around us. There's opportunities for us to get involved in, whether it's through Compassion International, whether it's through adopting yourself, or whether it's through taking part in some other need in the foster care system around us, getting engaged and involved in people's lives, not just for the point of getting involved in our lives, but so that we can be the hands and feet of Jesus to share Christ with folks long term. Then last week we talked about those who are lonely in our communities, those who are lonely in our society, those who are lonely, and they do want to just get in their own little boxes. And we are to love on them in spite of how hard that is. That the church is God's plan A. There is no plan B. We are the plan A. And we are to reach out and be God. We are to reach out and touch. We are to reach out and be ears. We are to reach out with time and be engaged and involved in people's lives. Because we are God's plan A. There is no plan B. And today, to kind of piggyback off of Mike's story this morning in Bible study, I want to talk about how, how do we as a church, how do we empower those who are poor around us, those who are in poverty around us, as we were living overseas for 20 years, we saw a lot of poverty. And I know we see it around here as well. But we saw real, real poverty when we were living in, in, in China. We saw some in South Korea. But really, when we moved to China and we saw the poverty around us, it was bad. We went into North Korea, it was really bad. And I, th- I, I don't know about you guys, but our hearts this week have been rejoicing seeing the leader Kim Jong-un and seeing the leader of South Korea, President Moon, come together and shake hands across the DMZ and sign that non-aggression pact said the, the war is over. We want to bring peace between our two nations. Our hearts were rejoicing this, this week to see, to know what is the possibilities in the future as we've had a part of both of those nations being able to be engaged and involved in what is going on there. I can't wait to see how God is going to work in the lives of the, of the believers who are there, those who are working inside North Korea, those who have been striving for years to, from South Korea to send word into North Korea to help the people there in their poverty situation. The church has been instrumental in getting help and getting the message of God's love into that nation. I can't wait to see what God is going to do. Through us and through others who are already there, but think about poverty for a minute. What does poverty really look like here in America? Three-bedroom house, two bath, two-car garage. Uh, get your iPhone, you get your iPad. But I'm barely making ends meet. I'm paycheck to paycheck. I'm poor. I'm not like Donald Trump. I'm not like Bill Gates. I'm not like these multimillionaires. I'm poor. Go to Mexico, you want to see poverty. Take a mission trip to some of the Caribbean islands, you want to see poverty. Come with us to North Korea sometime, you want to see poverty. Where a house is not much bigger than this stage. The bathroom is outside. The yard is just dirt with maybe a few flowers planted here and there to make it look nice. It's not owned by them. It's owned by the city, by the government. They have one little stove over here. They sleep on the floor. We don't know and understand what poverty is. But as the church of God... We've been given a privilege and the opportunity to impact so many lives. Remember what our purpose is, and kind of the purpose of this last four, the last three weeks, and today the four-week series, is we're really to learn to love God and love others. And really, we're focusing on the loving others part—to love God with our hands, or our mind, our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength—and to love others, love our neighbors as ourselves. And if we're to reach out and to love those who are hurting, this is part of it. It's not an us-versus-them mentality. It's a coming-alongside mentality and saying, let me cross the street to pick you up, to improve your life, to help you, because I've been blessed, not been blessed so I can go out and buy a new iPhone or a new computer or buy a new car. I've been blessed so that I can, in turn, be a blessing to somebody else. I have been blessed in so many ways So that I can in turn be a blessing to somebody else and share the message of God's word, to share the message that God loves this person. And really, the key verse this morning is Matthew chapter 25, verse 40. It says, Whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. This is Jesus talking. So you went to somebody and you gave them $5, you gave them a cup of water, you went and you helped to build a house, you put up wind turbines, you did whatever, you painted a building, you put up bricks on on a wall. Whatever you did for these people, out of the selflessness of your heart, because you were serving me and doing it, you didn't just do it to them. That's an offering to God. When we give of ourselves, when we serve and not, and not looking for recognition of ourselves, and we go out of our way to help, it's an offering to God. We talk about coming here, and VBS is coming up in a couple of months, and all the little rug rats to be running around and do playing games and eating snacks and painting and making a mess and running around all, all week long and people have to go out of their way to come and to give up their time to come and benefit, and those are offerings. But what about that person down the street that you take into Burger King and you buy him a meal? What about the person at Safeway that you give five bucks to? What about that person who just needs your help? Did you ever stop and think that those are also offering and serving the Lord See, so crossing the street, help selflessly, caring for the orphans, loving for the lonely, helping the poor in our communities. When we do that, we're also doing it to God. That's what he's saying here in Matthew chapter 25. What you did to these people, how you helped these people, you didn't just do it to them. You're not doing it for the pat on the back. You're doing it, and I'm going to get the reward for it, God says, because you did it to me. I receive your gift. I receive your sacrifice. I receive your offering. Proverbs 19:17 says, If you help the poor, you are lending to the Lord. 1 John 3, If anyone has mere material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. It's easy to think, oh, the government's going to take care of them. That's what the government's for. And for too many years, the church has given up all of our responsibilities to the government to care for those around us. When God has planted people all around our church and all around us for us to care for. A couple weeks ago, when the big windstorm came through and all the fences were knocked down and trampolines were three blocks away and all the stuff was going on, Look at the opportunities that we had to go out and reach and minister to our neighbors. Just to go and say, Can I help? Can I hold the drill and just put up a couple of things on your fence for you? Can I go and just love on you and put my own and you say, I care, how can I help? And even if they say, No, we got it all taken care of, what did they see? Us be willing to go and go and help. Because I had three neighbors with fences were messed up. I walked over to them. Can I help? Can I help? Can I help? What do you need me to do? Oh, no, we got it taken care of. We, we got a crew coming to, have to take, fix it for us. We, we're good. Our, uh, everybody's chipping in. We appreciate your heart. We appreciate you coming and offering. But God, I really wanted to show my life and by putting up some of these fence posts. they'll remember that, that the offer was made. Even if I didn't get a chance to put up the fence posts or to (laughs) dig more holes, which I was really looking forward to doing, right? Building my muscles. God has given us all kinds of opportunities if we are just aware of them around us. So if we're talking about poverty this morning and how to get involved, let's ask the question first. What is poverty? What is poverty? If we're talking about this need, what is, in its essence, what is what is poverty? As Americans, we're probably thinking, the first thing that comes to mind, poverty is a lack of material possessions, right? It's a lack of something material. I don't have uh, either a place to stay, I don't have a car, I don't have whatever, I don't have the... I don't have something that I need. Maybe it's not enough food that I need. It's, it's not having the money to send my kid to camp that I need. It's not having the money to replace my fence that got blown down two weeks ago. Those are needs. Those are things we think of when we think of poverty. But you know what? The World Health Organization took a survey of all these different nations, all these different people, 60,000 people who were in Poverty-type situations, you know, none of them said it was a lack of things. They all said poverty was a mindset. It was the shame. It was the brokenness. It was the fear and the humiliation. You can live in, you can have the, the poorest, the, the least bit of income. You can live in the worst house. But the attitude makes a difference. So if we're going to help people who are in poor situations, poverty-type situations, we really then have to help them change the way they think about themselves and how they relate to God. We have to really begin to change that thing. We've heard of missionary teams who have gone to Haiti, and uh, they took a bunch of T-shirts with them because they were going to go help them, give them away to the kids. And they go down there and they're participating in all these kids and VBS and all kinds of other stuff going on. And they gave all these t shirts away. And then they realized at the end of the week that there's these moms in town. You know what their business is? Making t shirts. So rather than going to these moms and maybe taking some money and saying, "Hey, we would like you to, we'd like to pay you to make these T-shirts for us," they not just—I'm sure the kids were very happy for the T-shirts and the community was happy for the T-shirts. But how much better would it have been? if they had helped to change the mindset of just we're here to receive and receive and receive and receive and, and, and the big church is coming into our town and they're going to give us all kinds of stuff, how much better would it have been if they had maybe changed that mindset and gone to these ladies and said ahead of time and we want to hire you to make a bunch of shirts for us and to contribute to the community around them rather than just throwing money at the problem. When we opened our restaurant in China, it was called Gina's Place. One of, the things that, one of our core values is that we wanted to buy local. We wanted to contribute to the economy there locally. We could have very easily bought everything we wanted from Chinese Amazon and had it all shipped in, there is Chinese Amazon. We could have very easily bought all of our supplies, bought all of our cheese, bought all of our stuff and it would have been cheaper. But we instead chose to go to our local vendors and buy all of our stuff, except for Dr. Pepper and Root Beer. We could not get Dr. Pepper and Root Beer locally. Nobody would bring it in. So we had to go to Beijing for that. So please forgive me. So, but there's some things that are necessities. Everything else we bought locally because we wanted to help the local economy. We were there as missionaries, yes, but we were there to help them and raise them and lift them up and to benefit as much as we could. We went to North Korea and we could have just gone and said, we're going to put up this wind turbine for you and turn it over for you and give it all to you. But instead, we put the turbines up but made the North Koreans come alongside us and teach teach them and train them how to run these things and give them pride and a sense of dignity in their work rather than just receiving from the rich missionaries or what they perceived as the rich missionaries. See, as we give to those around us, as we look and see, God, how can I be your hands and feet? I want to give. I want to contribute. I want to give because I want to give to you, God. I want to sacrifice because I want to sacrifice for you. I want to give of who I am because I want you to receive the blessing. We have to ask ourselves, how are we going to give and so that it doesn't hurt? Maybe it's taking a family who's in need over to Wendy's or McDonald's and buying them food rather than giving them 20 bucks to go buy it themselves. Maybe it's letting them come and work in your yard and giving them work for the money that you're going to give to them and giving them more than you needed to give them. But they worked for it and you let them preserve their sense of dignity in that. Or maybe it's in discovering the roots of poverty. Getting to the root of the problem. See, one thing when we look at Scripture, we see that the root of most problems, and especially the root of poverty, is brokenness. And that sounds, sounds kind of interesting. funny, doesn't it? It's like, really? The po- root of poverty, the root of all these problems is brokenness? Think about this for a minute. In the Garden of Eden, what broke first? The relationship between man and God. It broke. That relationship was broken. That relationship was severed. Sin entered into the world and now life in this world is full of pain. Life in this world is full of disease. Life in this world is full of disease, misery and mosquitoes. And Karis was so excited about mosquito season coming up. She's our little mosquito magnet. She can't wait for the summer. But life is filled with problems, primarily because of brokenness, and initially because of brokenness between us and God. But it's also brokenness with between self. Think about it. We have low self-esteem now. We got problems with the way we think. We got can't. I can't do anything right in this world. I look at myself and think I'm a failure. I'm broken. But also, our relationships with each other are broken. And Mike did a great job this morning in the book of Philemon talking about how we need to find forgiveness with one another. How we need to restore the relationships that are broken with one another. Not just within our church, but outside as well. What about your neighbor who's upset at you or you're upset with because they mowed three inches on your lawn? (laughs) I can't do that in my house. i got a big rock strip between my neighbor and I. And there's a fence in the backyard. I can't cross over. But you know what? He lets his grass. He doesn't manage the grass against that fence. And it grows on my side. And I have to go there and I have to pick his grass out of my side of the fence. Don't we get petty sometimes? Don't we get petty about some little issues? My neighbors had a party. And they had cars parked in front of my driveway and part of my yard. I didn't have the freedom to park where I wanted. to. I had to park down the street. And we let things get, these little things weigh on us. My neighbors had a birthday party and didn't invite my kids or my grandkids. And we get upset. That person at work They consistently come in 10 minutes late, leave 10 minutes early. Don't they know that they're robbing time? Don't they know that they're robbing the the boss? Instead of punching out, punching in and out when they should. We can allow these things to grate on us, these relationships to grate on us. And we need to find restoration. We see also these problems with, with government. We see broken political systems. Whether it's social, economic, political, all around us, all these systems, they're broken. You know what? Jesus came to heal that brokenness. He came to heal that brokenness between us and God. He came to heal that brokenness with us in our society and us in our community, those around us. He came to heal the brokenness in me. Because I am not a perfect person, I am a flawed individual. No amens, thank you. I am a flawed individual. I struggle daily, daily with myself and my insecurities. And Jesus came to heal me. He came to heal us. He came to heal this. You know, when these things are healed, all these broken systems in our world will start to heal as well. But it starts right here. Look in Luke chapter 4, verses 16 and following. Jesus goes to Nazareth. Jesus goes to Nazareth, and he, as his, the Bible says, as his pattern is, he goes to, on the Sabbath. He goes to the tabernacle. It says he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, verse sixteen, and he stood up to read. Verse seventeen and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him, and he unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. Verse eighteen. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to what? To proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim what? Liberty to the captives, and recovering sight to the blind, and then to set what at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. What was Jesus' purpose? What was the purpose of the Messiah? And I love, goes on in verse 20, he says, And then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, sat down, and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And then if you read beyond that, they got upset, they got angry, they got frustrated because he was saying, I am the Messiah, and this was my purpose, why I came. I came to bring good news to the poor, not just the physically poor, not just those who were poor in this world. I came to bring good news to those who were spiritually poor, that they can have a relationship with God restored again. I came to bring liberty to the captives, those who were stuck in sin, those who were bound up by their sins to bring freedom to the captives so they could find their freedom in Christ. I became to bring liberty to those who were oppressed around us, oppressed by Satan, oppressed by this world's systems, oppressed by their feelings of self, lack of self-worth so you could find out who you are in me. See, Jesus came not just to go and heal, 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 and to feed 5,000 here and 4,000 over here and to do a bunch of good works. He came to free us from ourselves. He came to free us from the systems that have been put in place for thousands of years since Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve sinned. And that relationship was broken. That relationship was severed. He came to bring freedom and healing to the world. We have that same responsibility as well. When you understand this, that Christ is the one who saves, Christ is the one who heals. Christ is the one who sets us free. It's not us. I don't, I can't save anybody. I don't bring freedom to anybody. I don't heal anybody. It's God working through me and through you and through our church to bring salvation and freedom and the message of the good news of Christ to all those around us. When we sit by ourselves, we're content with just coming on Sunday mornings, we're content with just picking this up and on Sunday mornings, going, oh, got to go to church again. When that is where we are content, we're missing the point, we're missing the blessings of God that He wants us to participate in. So then the question is, how do we help? How do we participate in what God wants us to do? How do we find, take this message of freedom, this message of salvation, this message of forgiveness? How then do we take this into the world who needs to hear it? The next three points are not original with me. I got them from a pastor that I listen to on a regular basis at Oklahoma City. And he says this, when, when you go to help people who are in need, he says, number one, commit to serving others, not saving others. You commit to serve them first. Don't go in there with an attitude, I'm here to save you. We went to North Korea. Sure, the very first time I went in, when we first went up there, my attitude was, we're here to save the people. (laughs) They need what we're bringing. They need the message. They need our money. They need what we're going to bring. You know what? That was a wrong attitude. And it wasn't until God changed our hearts... Then we realized that we weren't there to save them, but to serve them, that we began to have a real impact on the people there. And they began to trust us. They began to not look at us out of the corner of their eyes going, what's their real motive? What's their real intention? And they began working for us and our projects, rather than working against us. Because we had to go and show them that we love them, Period. That they could trust us, period. In spite of what our nationality was, in spite of who I represented, Christ, that they could trust us because we love them and we're there to serve them. And that was tough. It took time to build that. There's opportunities around us all the time. Two weeks ago when the windstorm came going just serving your neighbors. There's people that you meet at Safeway, people that you meet downtown. Is your attitude when you help these people, I'm here to save you, to give you 20 bucks, to give you 50 bucks? Or is it, let me serve your family. Let me love on you because the love of Christ is within me and it's more powerful than, and less selfish than the love that I have. Let me love on you and serve you because you are loved by God. Number two, Commit to relating with people, not rescuing people. Commit to relating with people, not rescuing people. See, Jesus is the only rescuer. Jesus came to rescue us from our sins. He came to rescue us from ourselves. He came to rescue us from all this junk around us. We are living in this world. We came, we're not here to bring people and rescue them from their problems. Our job is to show them who Jesus is and let him rescue them. So then understand that we are the people, those that he sends us to are we are, let me back up. My tongue is tight, I'm getting ahead of myself. Those struggling, those who are in need of help are not projects that we help, but they are people that we love. Those the guy is sending us to are not projects that we are sent to help, but they are people we are sent to love. That is key. If I'd gone to North Korea, if I'd gone to the orphanage there in China that we worked in and viewed them just as projects so I can send a prayer letter back to Mount State and say, look at all the good we're doing with this orphan care project, with this North Korean project, with this project over here and this project over here. Yeah, that's the wrong attitude. But you go to the people that God has given to you to minister to and you view them as God's children as well ones that God desperately loves that God desperately wants to have that relationship renewed in and you ask them what do you need how can I help meet the need not let me bring a bunch of t-shirts in not let me come and put a playground up for you And when really the need over here is that they need food on the table or they need plumbing fixed or, but you ask them, how can I come alongside and help you with what you truly need? And you view them as people rather than projects. Our desires, our supposed needs that we are bringing along kind of go out the window. You start meeting people's needs as they have them rather than what I view the need to be. Thirdly, reach out. Don't reach down. Commit to reaching out. Don't reaching down. In other words, I'm standing up here seeing the needs down there. I'm going to step out of my, off my box and come and help you poor person. Instead, we reach out with the hand of help, with the love of God. Say, how can I then help those around us? The attitude is there. That's what, that's what matters. We need to mimic the attitude of Jesus in all things. Philippians 2, chapter, 5, verse, chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. Read through it when you get home. That's the mind of Christ. If we were to mimic the attitude and the mind of Christ in all things, that tells us how we should behave with humility, with honor, with love and not with an attitude of I'm better than somebody else or I'm going to help you because I'm going to get a good feeling out of this. The attitude is I care for you, not poor you. The attitude is let me come alongside and help you up rather than I'm so sorry. Sorry. In Korean, the word is "mianheo," and we love saying, "Oh, mianheo, poor you, poor little person." But instead, it should be, "Let me come alongside and pull you up to help you." See, because the truth is, I'm poor, I'm broken, I'm in need as well. And if we look, if we really honestly look in the mirror, we'd understand that we are all in the same boat. So it's not about I'm better than somebody else or God, you want to use me to bless them because I, you've blessed me with so many things. No, it's let me come alongside because we are all broken people. And we're all working together in this society. We're all working together in our culture. We're all working together in our neighborhoods to be God's hands and feet. Let me give you a couple of ways that we can help out. coming up there's some opportunities coming up around us a local church here locally has a ministry called Food for Hope where they feed 8,000 students every week every week they provide food for 2,000 of these families they provide three meals a day for these kids they put together food for these kids so they can go to school hold their heads high and they can have a meal with them at school. They're partnering with City of Thornton, with the Adams County School District, providing meals for so many of these kids. Opportunities are around us. Samaritan's Purse, every year, that, every year, whenever the stuff goes on around the world, Samaritan's Purse is Operation Christmas Child. I know Our ladies Bible Study participates in that. As a church, Paul is going to help us to organize that together as a church so we can begin to meet the needs of those overseas who need to get the message of God's word in their hands and they can get these little box gifts. And in those boxes is God's word. We can help those around us. On this side over here, the Baptist Bible Fellowship that we are a part of as well as the Southern Baptist Convention. We have connections there as well participating in the ministries and opportunities around this world in different disaster relief projects as they come up. Poverty situations in in our societies, in our communities, these organizations have active roles in. Our missionaries that we support, those I read this week, I got a note from um, Brian Weed in Nicaragua. Floods going on. One of our missionaries, one of the BBF missionaries died this week. In Nicaragua, because of the floods and because of the storms going on there, I mean was a direct result of that. But here, those are indirect result of that. Our missionaries are a part of different kinds of disaster relief projects, and occasionally they pop up, and we can have an opportunity to meet those needs as well. And I trust that God is working in your hearts in our hearts today as we ask God how can I meet the needs of those around us how can you use me how can you use my family to meet to cross the street to reach this person over here who's in need how can Lord how can I meet the needs of this orphan or this, in the foster care system that, or, somebody, or some kid overseas with, through Compassion International and these other agencies that takes care of that God, how can we get involved in meeting the needs? God, how can I get involved in the meeting the needs of somebody standing out in front of Walmart or King Supers uh, as you leave? Because I know not everybody, there's times I walk by those people and God's very clearly saying, you need to give them 20 bucks. Other times I walk by and I'm like, God, and he says, nope. And I walk on in. So everything we do needs to be led by the Holy Spirit, right? Everything we do needs to be led by as a step of faith not just, oh, I feel so sorry for them. Every step we take is a step of faith. As we give to the projects that are up here and other places that God brings across our path, where would God have you get involved this morning? And as we pray, as we come and pray in just a second, I'd really like you to consider and pray and ask God, Where do you want me involved? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, this morning, as we come before you, as we pray, we want our lives to be different as a result of our time here this morning. We want our lives to impact others around us. Lord, as we consider the claims of the word of God, that we are not living on an island by yourself. But we live in a community of people who are hurting. We live in communities where all around us, people are hurting in their homes, whether it's financially or emotionally or socially. Lord, and you have put us in prime locations to help meet the needs of people because you desire to heal the brokenness. And what's amazing to me, God, is you're using broken people like us to heal the brokenness in others. Where we've been called to make disciples. That as we go, as we live our lives, as we go throughout our life to make disciples and bring them into your kingdom, to help bring healing to their lives, to to restore the relationship between them and you. And this morning, God, I ask you, as we sit here right now, to bring to our minds a name, a face, a ministry that we can each get involved with to participate in, to help bring healing in this broken world. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We're going to stand and sing one final song this morning. I was like falling on my knees. As we sing this morning, I pray that God will touch your heart and touch your mind with what he wants you to do this morning.